Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Well, amen and amen. Even from where you are at home, people may think you're weird if they're outside your room, but let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning just because He is so good. He is worthy of all of our praise and all of our adoration. And what a great, what a great message uh, when you, you raise a hallelujah that uh, your weapon is a melody, a, a melody and that through worship you, you see Christ in His rightful place, exalted above all things. But also when you worship and you praise the Lord, it lifts your spirit up and reminds you it reminds you of who you are in Christ. It reminds you of where you are in Christ. And it reminds you that you can approach all of life from a platform of victory and never a footstool of defeat. So thank you, Cody, for leading us in worship this morning. Thank you, praise team, for what you did months ago and leading us in worship. And can't wait, can't wait till we can all be back together again and worshiping as a church family. Also mindful today, just very thankful for folks all around the world today who are uh, watching even right now to uh, this time that we have together to uh, worship the Lord in, in song and now to worship the Lord through His Word. Uh, we're blessed to have the written Word uh, that reminds us of the living Word who is Jesus and He's the object of our worship. He's the object of our praise. Well, today we are going to wrap up. I really think, I really believe today we're going to wrap up a message series that we entitled One Another. What we've learned in this message series is that there's really something behind all of those one another statements in the New Testament. There's over 50 one another statements in the New Testament to serve one another, to encourage one another, to build up one another, to put up with or forbear with one another, to love one another, to forgive one another. And what we're seeing behind all of those is that when we give love away or we look for the happiness of someone else and try to do what we do to help somebody else to be happy, God has a way of bringing that back to us like a boomerang effect the key to happiness is not searching for it like a place or a destination but the key to happiness is giving it away that reflects the heart of God if you're a child of God that reflects your true identity in Christ and your true heart so even now I pray and I trust that we are one anothering one another by doing what we're doing as a ministry and as families. Of all the things, though, that we could do today to show love to one another, one of the greatest things that we can do. James tells us it's a great theme in the book of James. It's a big theme in all of Scripture. 
James tells us, God tells us, to pray for one another. That's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to wrap up uh, this particular message on praying for one another. This will be the third part of this message. You can watch or catch the other two parts by going uh, to our Facebook page where you are now. Even our YouTube channel. And you can see that there. And you can see those other messages leading up to today. So let's pray. Let's ask God's anointing over this time of teaching and preaching. And we're just going to trust His Spirit to be with us right here and to be there with you as you're watching from home. Uh, Father God, as we turn our hearts and our minds to the Word today, we would not want to do this without Your presence, without Your power. Lord, we would not want to do this without your rest to be able to trust you to do that which only you can do so father we just we just yield ourselves to you right now we trust your spirit to be our teacher and our guide to speak through us today father and through any means that you want to speak through to speak to people to encourage them and to give them hope. So Father, teach us, even now, how to one another, one another, as we pray for one another. We trust you with this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, in James chapter 5, James tells us and encourages his listeners to confess your sins to one another and then he says to pray for one another and we'll trust the guys to work on that uh, pad music to going off in just a second here uh, I think uh, Cody was engaging in you folks and usually that kind of slides to the way there there we go they got it awesome good deal good deal you might not have heard that but I heard it and those of you who know me well sometimes the littlest thing can just kind of but anyway, we won't go there. Well, James tells us, he says, confess your sins to one another. And then he tells us to pray for one another so that you may be healed, that you may be restored. And then he says something that's really, really neat. He says the effective. And the word here for effective is laser-focused, energized prayer. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Then he gives Elijah as an example of that. A man who was just like us. And when he prayed, based on God's word, when he prayed, the heavens shut off the rain. He prayed no rain, the heavens shut off the rain. Then when Elijah prayed again at the word of God, guess what happened? The heavens opened up and the rains came. He is the example that James gives to us. And, and an example of that could be all of us. As we pray for one another. And pray for one another. And pray for so many in this world at this point and this time. Then what we did last week. Is we looked at the example of Jesus. And it seems like whatever James was saying to do. And encouraging believers to do there in James chapter 5. 
It seems like we have a picture of this in the life of Jesus. We flipped over to Mark chapter 2. And in Mark chapter 2, there is this event that happens in the life of Jesus in his ministry. And it has to do with a man who was a paralytic. He was paralyzed. And we can imagine his life and what his life was like and how he probably uh, had a pallet that he laid on on the city streets and on the roads and, and how people would come by. And he probably had a life of, of begging and, and just depending upon so many people. Well, one day, Jesus is in the home of some people uh, and he's teaching the Word, he's sharing the Word. And the Scripture tells us in Mark writes in Mark chapter 2, that the paralytic had four friends. Four friends who came to bring this man to Jesus. Obviously, the man wanted to be healed. So the four friends bring this man to the house where Jesus is. And when they get there, the house is so crowded and, and people are at the door that they could not get in. But they were determined, the effective, energized, laser focused effort of people in prayer can accomplish great things. Those guys, they took this man who was on a pallet. They went up onto the roof of the house. The scripture tells us, and Mark writes, that they then began to remove the roof and they dug into the roof. And we can imagine the ancient world, the type of roof that it was, and they'd have to dig into it. And then once they made an opening into that roof, they took the man, the man who was paralyzed, on a pallet. And they lowered him, literally lowered him down into the room where Jesus was. Wow. I mean, you're talking about being determined and being focused. Not letting other things distract or get in the way, but energized laser-beamed, focused intentionality in bringing their friend to the one who could heal them. Seems like a picture of prayer to me. So when they lower the man into the room, and you can imagine the scene, if you had been there and the, the roof opening up and this guy coming through, if you can imagine the scene, then Jesus, once the man comes to the floor, Jesus says to the man, he said, son, your sins are forgiven. And then they begin to, to talk about that. And they knew that only God could proclaim forgiveness. Jesus understood what many of the religious rulers who were there watching, what was going on in their hearts and in their minds. And so Jesus then says, well, what's easier, what's easier to do here? To say your, your sins are forgiven or to say to the man, uh, you know, take up your bed or take up your pallet and walk. And then Jesus, to show that he was who he said he is. Jesus told the man to get up, take his pallet, and walk. And the man did that. And the scripture tells us that all the people who were standing around, they began to glorify God. And they were see, saying things like, you know what? We've never, we've never seen anything like this before so a dire situation it was paralyzed a paralyzed man hurting hopeless struggling 
somebody willful, faithful prayers, prayers, bring him to the one who can bring healing. We see that happening here. Jesus said that he saw their faith. He saw their faith when he pronounced forgiveness. He saw their faith. The the faith of the people who brought the man. He saw their faith. But we also know that effective prayer just doesn't take faithful or willing prayers. It also takes willing and faithful prayer objects. The man had to be willing. He had to be open. Maybe that's why some people, when they pray, and they pray for situations that involve other people, they don't see God answering their prayer because the prayer object is not open. It's like the man who's praying for his wife, or the wife who's praying for her husband, or or the mom or the dad who's praying for their son or their daughter. God, touch their heart. God, bring them home. God, change them. We see that. It takes a willing heart to be open to God, to let the Spirit move, to work. This man, this paralytic, he was a willing and a faithful prayer object. But then the third thing that you see here in this text is a willing and faithful Savior. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus touched the man spiritually. He addressed his deepest need. His deepest need was not that he could not walk. Because what good would it do for a man to walk on this earth, but never to be able to walk into heaven? What good would it do for this man to be healed physically, and not to be spiritually healed? To have no hope beyond his current pain and suffering. Jesus touches this man spiritually first, showing that he is God and he could pronounce forgiveness of sins anytime that he wants to. And it will always be, it will always be on the basis of the cross of Christ. Whether it's before the cross or after the cross, all forgiveness of sins happens and takes place because of what Jesus did for us when he died for us on a cross and was raised to have victory over sin Death and the grave. Then he touched the situation physically. Not just spiritually, but also physically. And Jesus can do that. He's the one who can heal. He's the one who can repair. By telling the man to get up and walk, Jesus not only touched him spiritually, but he touched him physically. And Jesus can do that. In this situation, it took a willing and a faithful Savior But here's what you know, and here's what I know. Not every prayer that we pray is answered the way that we want it to be answered. Not every situation of sickness that we pray for finds healing. At least, not healing in the way that we might pray for it. It leads us to a great dilemma about prayer. And how prayer really works. And what's happening when we pray. 
It challenges us to think about reality and what life is like and how things operate and how things run. There's actually two views of reality that are two extreme views that don't seem to be biblical views, but they're views that people tend to have. We would all embrace and we would all say, that prayer changes things. And, and that's a hope that we have. That if we pray for one another. It's going to make a difference. But some people they see God. And they see the world from a viewpoint. That's called determinism. It's the idea. That every single thing that happens. Happens because God said. This is the way it is. This is the way it is. This is the way that it's going to go. Every single thing that happens, every deed of man, every word, everything that happens on this earth, people will say things like, well, it's just going to be the way it's going to be. It'll work out the way it's supposed to work out. Things happen for a reason. But here's the question. Whose reason? If determinism is true, and God has already laid it all out and has determined everything that's going to happen, then based on good reasoning, prayer really changes nothing situationally. But then there's this other view of reality that I don't think is also, is not also, is not a, a picture of the biblical view of reality. It's called indeterminism. Complete indeterminism. And complete indeterminism basically means that whatever happens, happens because, it happens because people just choose things to happen. Indeterminism means that God has not determined anything to happen. That it's all open. That God has basically wound up the planet and he created it and wound it up and he stepped back from it and said, okay, here it goes. And that God is just idly sitting back and watching things unfold. But yet God can still step into time and space. Complete indeterminism is the idea that when we pray, and we ask God to step into time and to space. That he hasn't determined that he can then, that he can then step in. And he can then move. If, if that's the case, then prayer could essentially change everything. One view, prayer essentially changes nothing. The other view, prayer could change everything. But here's the biblical view. The scripture seems to give to us. And that is that, that, that God certainly has a will. God's will is what He determines. What He determines will happen. But when we look at Scripture, it seems that God's will happens either on what He unconditionally wills or what He conditionally wills. Now, for example, there are things that, that God has set in place and he has set in stone and God has said this is going to happen. And there is there is no movement that could change that. 
when God said that He would determine to create the heavens and the earth and to create all things. That was God's unconditional will. When God said, I will give a Redeemer to mankind, and He's going to defeat the evil one. There's no act of hell or humanity that could stop that. That's God's unconditional will. When he, when he set the time that Christ would come and that Christ would die on the cross, that Christ would be buried and Christ would be raised, there's nothing that could change that. Even Jesus, even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, not once, not twice, but three times, three times he prayed, God, if there be another way, let this cup pass for me. And every single time, God said no, because Christ was praying against the unconditional will of God. There was nothing not even Jesus could say or do to change that. And one day, Christ is going to return. And He is going to deliver us. And deliver those who trust in Him from the pains of this earth and the pains of this world. If the worst thing happened to us on this earth, then the best thing would happen to us as believers. There's nothing that we can do, nothing that we could pray that could stop what God has said is going to happen. And I just want you to imagine with me just for a second, just for a second, just imagine Christ after He was risen from the dead, walking around on this earth, do you think, do you think, do you think, do you think his mind ever went back to Gethsemane? Do you think his mind ever went back to that day that he prayed? God, let this cup pass from me. If there be any other way, God, of course he resigned, not my will, but your will be done. Do you think Jesus, after the resurrection in his humanity, ever said, you think he ever said, Whoa, I get it. I get it. I was praying victory apart from death. But God, you willed victory through death. And there also in Scripture is God's unconditional will. That is that God has said, I will do things. I want to do things. But they are conditioned. They are conditioned. His unconditional will is what he says is going to happen. And you can't pray and you can't change it. And I'm so thankful because he's a wise, kind, loving God. But when it comes to his conditional will, he says there are things that I will do. But I'm going to condition them upon human cooperation. And so many times, the means of bringing the will of God from heaven to earth is prayer. It is praying. Like when Jesus said about certain healings and things, He said, these things will not happen apart from prayer and fasting. Or like when Scripture tells us, that God does not desire for any to perish, but that all should come to repentance. That depends upon people 
saying yes to God and people being open to God. That's his conditional will. And I don't know in regards to where we live where those two are separated. And I'm glad I don't. Here's what I know. Scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. Scripture tells us in Isaiah that God's thoughts are not your thoughts and His ways are not my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, declares the Lord. And the Lord says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So I don't know with every situation or circumstance, what is God willing to do? But Scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. And so I conclude that I am to pray. And I am to pray. We are to pray for one another. We're to trust God with our prayers. We pray, we pray, we pray like heck. And then we step away from that. And we trust God. But we're always praying. We're either praying or we're praising. But we're always talking to God. And if prayer is anything, prayer is a relationship with God. It's not an event. It's not a dear Heavenly Father and an amen. And something sandwiched in between. And many times you don't get to the end of it because you fall asleep. Or something else catches your attention. But it's an ongoing conversation with God. It's a relationship. But could it be that there are many things that God is saying, I would will to do. But it's going to take my people praying. Like healing the land. Or healing somebody. There's a story of a little small town that was experiencing a terrible drought and famine. The town came together and they figured out how they could take care of themselves physically, but, but man, their land was dry. And the people came together and they said, let us pray for rain. Every day the townspeople would come to the square and they would pray, God give us rain, God give us rain, God give us rain. No rain came. Days upon days, weeks upon weeks, months upon months. God, God, give us rain. No rain. Then one day this little boy came to the town square. And he said, oh dear Lord, I know you can cause it to rain. God, let it rain. The sky began to darken. Clouds began to roll in. Droplets of rain began to pour upon the town people's heads. The next thing you know, the sky opens up. And it's a shower of rain. You say, what's the difference? What's the difference? What's the difference? The little boy, unlike anybody else, he brought an umbrella. He prayed with faith and he trusted God 
what can we do for one another? We can pray. What can we do for our land? We can pray. What can we do for our leadership? We can pray. What can we do for our churches? We can pray. We can pray. We can pray. We can pray. And then we step back. And we trust God. My dear friends, in the middle there, somewhere between the unconditional and conditional will of God, we find rest. We find rest. Prayer is pulling heaven down and trusting the will of God. So I want to invite you to bow your heads with me right now. Cody's going to lead us in a time of response. And then Cody is going to pray us out this morning. God bless you for joining us online today. Again, if you need somebody to pray for you, please call that number. Our prayer counselors are ready to minister to you. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you've benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.